I, I came to announce something in this room this morning that despite what a doctor's report has told you, despite what the psychiatrist has said and what people have said, I came to announce in this room to every listening ear three simple words. God is able. That might not mean a lot to some people, but there are some desperate people in this room who need God to move on their behalf. And I don't care what you've heard, and I don't care what people have said. The Lord told me to tell you that not only is he able, but he is ready to move on your behalf. As he sees your faith, God is about to respond to every need in your mind, your family, and your body. If you need a miracle touch this morning, I dare you to put your hand on where you need God to heal. I dare you to put it, if it's your mind, put it on your head. If it's in your body, put it where you it's in your body. But God is about to heal somebody, touch somebody, not by might or by by power but this thing is about to happen because of the spirit of the living God so with every hand lifted and hand on your body I hear the Lord saying get ready this is a house this is a house of miracle working power and God in the name of Jesus I release I release the power and the glory and the anointing with your hands lifted we sing in this room something let me prophesy something and then I'm gonna give you a chance to praise God like it's already done but I hear the Lord in my spirit telling me to tell you that God is just about to turn that thing around I know it's been heading I know it's been heading in the wrong direction and it doesn't seem like it's ever going to come back. But God told me to tell you, it's just about to turn around. Now, here's what your responsibility is. How would you praise God if today was the day everything turned around? How would you praise God if you knew that this moment was the moment that God shifted everything in your life? I'm going to give you 30 seconds in this 1045 service to take a moment and lose your mind. Oh, to lose your mind in worship. Ready? You got 30 seconds, and God says, while you're worshiping, I'm turning, I'm turning, I'm turning, it's turning. Oh, it's turning, it's turning. It's not 
prophesy Oh, it's turning, it's turning, and it's turning, and it's turning, and it's turning, and it's turning. One more time, come alive. We say, come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. This is a house of miracles. We bring every day. and every demon know that God is bigger and God is greater and God is just about to turn this thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm trying to move on, but I feel something in this room. I feel some breaking loose in this room. I feel like there's some people who've been waiting all week for just the opportunity to let that devil know God is greater. I feel something supernatural in here. I feel something supernatural in here. I feel something, su I feel, I feel demons trying to hit the door. I feel principality trying to, I feel like God is breaking somebody through this morning. Yeah, I'm going to give you a chance. Just praise him. I'm going to preach in a minute, but just praise him. Come on, pra praise him. Praise him. I'm going to preach in just a moment, but praise ye the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Praise be to God, who always causes us to triumph. Victory is yours. I feel this strongly in my spirit, and I'm going to prophesy and preach. But there is somebody in the room dealing with a heart issue. Heart issue. Where are you at in this room? You've got a heart, something going on specifically. Is it you? Uh -huh. Is it you? Yeah. Heart issue. You got something in your heart. I, I, I feel, come here. I'm going to use you. Come here. Come here. If you've got a heart issue, raise your hand. I just, I felt this in my heart. I felt this in my spirit. God's wanting to touch you significantly in this moment. Slip up your hands. And as I pray for her, it's like I'm laying my hands on every one of you. So if you have a heart issue, come on, slip up your hands. Something that's going on in your heart. If there's somebody close to you, put your hands on them. I feel like there's something out of rhythm that God is about to bring back into rhythm. I feel like there's something that's almost blocked and God's going to open it back up. Father, as I lay my hands on this woman of God, I don't just do it for her, I do it for every single person dealing with this issue. And in the name of Jesus, as I lay my hands, the power and the fire of God begins to issue. In the name of Jesus, I speak to this heart and I say, come back into alignment with the Word of God. Beat right, flow right, move right. And Father, I thank you as the anointing begins to flow. Ah, as it begins to flow, you are healing and restoring and bringing it back. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, not another second. Now, Holy Ghost, now, Holy Ghost, lift your hands in this room. The power of God is here. The power of God is here. He's touching you in your heart. Woo. 
back into rhythm. Even as I'm praying right now, somebody's heart has been out of rhythm. Been talking about procedures. Doctors have been telling you what they got to do, what kind of medicine, but God is putting that thing back into rhythm as I'm praying right now. The power of God is doing it. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Come on, just, just enjoy the presence of the Lord for a second. He's here for you. He's here for you. He's here for you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So, Father, I declare not just hearts, but minds are being restored. Father, Lord, families are being put back together. And Father, I pray, Lord, in this room that as you are healing hearts, God, you are also putting us in a position to hear your heart. Father, Lord, that you are so mindful of us and that you care so deeply for us. Father, I pray, Lord, that every man and woman would see in this hour that you are mindful of your people. And for that, we give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor. Come on, if you believe in the miracle working power of Jesus, come on, if you believe that he's still moving. Come on, I said, if you believe he's still moving. Stay standing. And she can lay there all service if she wants to. If she wants to get up, that's fine. But I want you to grab your Bibles while we're in this atmosphere. And let me just say, how incredible is this worship team for opening up heaven over top of you in this service, in this house. I honor you and I thank you so very much. If you're able to stand, stand with me for the reading of God's word. I'm going to be back tonight. and We're going to do more of that. We're going to do even more of that. Is that all right? Yeah, I, listen, I've come here enough now. We're not strangers. We're family. Amen. And I just believe that you attend one of the greatest churches with some of the greatest staff and pastors on the planet, including your lead pastor, Pastor Gary. If you appreciate this staff and you love these men and women of God, will you put your hands together and let them know how much you appreciate them? Y'all, I feel the power of God. Ooh, I feel the glory of the Lord. Come on, can you just, I, I know I've got to preach, but just slip up your hands one final time and just entertain him for a second. Come on, whatever's in your heart to his heart, come on, open your mouth. There is an anointing in this room. Their glory is in this room. Come on, just honor him. Honor his presence. Don't get too quick in the presence of the king. But honor, honor, honor him. Come on, just tell him how much you love him for a second. Just tell him how much you care about him and how much he means to you. Come on, open up your mouth. Hey, Lord, whether you are 9 or 90 in this room, come on, just adore the Lord for a second. He's worthy to be worshipped and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, 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 Lord. Hey, Lord. Come 
and glorify him. I feel him in this room right now. He's here, he's here, he's here. You may not be used to this, but the presence of the Lord is in this room. I feel faith in this room. Hallelujah. 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 I said, Hallelujah. Did you hear what God just said? Let me translate everything God just said. Everything's going to be all right. God just said, Everything's going to be all right. Oh, Hallelujah. For those of you unaware of what just happened, that is 100% Bible. I said, That's 100% Bible. We believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We believe in the power of the Holy Ghost and what you just heard was a message in tongues and the interpretation given from the heart of God to edify this body. I don't know about you, but I feel edified after that. Anybody feeling edified? Anybody feeling built up and stronger in your faith? Praise the Lord. Well, I feel ready to preach. Are you ready to receive it? There is breakthrough in here today. I want you to open up your Bibles to the book, the Gospel of John, the book of John, chapter 15. And I'm going to preach what I feel in my soul to give you. Thank God for his presence. Aren't you thankful you go to a church that doesn't mind the presence of the Lord? Thank you, Holy Ghost. John chapter 15. John chapter 15. If you've got it, say amen. My wife is with me today. Amen. I honor you. I love you. Thank God for who you are. I I preach better and shorter when she's with me. Uh, The first one's definitely true. The second one's up for debate. Amen. But John chapter 15, God has a word for you this morning. If you've got it, say amen. Starting with verse 1, red letters, Jesus is speaking. And this is what the word of the Lord would say. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes or purges, that it might bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Last verse. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, 
bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I want to preach for just a moment in the context of John 15. A discourse on connectivity. And God has brought me with a question. And it's all going to make sense when I'm done. But God asked me to ask you, what is the state of your union with him? the state of the union. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for what I sense and feel. Help me to preach it like you gave it in Jesus' mighty name. Somebody who believes, say amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. You can be seated. As we move into this next move of God and in this season of revival, we must understand that one of the greatest responsibilities handed to those who will steward this next move of God is that there must be a reestablishing of God's intended standards. Let me say that again. For those of us who are ready to move with God in this next move of God, one of the greatest responsibilities that will be handed to us is that we must be a people who reestablish God's intended standards. How many know God's got standards? I said, God has some standards. I, I know that the world has standards and there are worldly standards and carnal standards, but before they were had the ability to create their standards, God had some standards. Standards like faithfulness. How many know God is a faithful God? How many know that God can be trusted? How many know that when you put your faith in God, every time your faith goes to God, it is going to somebody who has stood the test of time and eternity and has never lost a battle and he never will. Is there anybody in the room at the onset of my message that could testify to the faithfulness of God that you wouldn't be here had he not been faithful in your life? Come on, how many know you wouldn't have been standing here if God had not been faithful? You wouldn't have gotten the job or the promotion or you wouldn't have been able to step into the marriage or have the family if God had not been faithful somewhere in your life. I wonder if there's anybody at the onset of this sermon that could take about 10 seconds and thank God that he has been who he said he would be and that God is indeed faithful. Yeah, yeah. If you want to know why I praise God like I praise God sometimes, it's because every once in a while I walk into the room and I remember where I was and who I was and what I was doing. And then I look at where I'm standing today. And the only reason I made it here is not because of my own self, baby, but because God was indeed faithful when I was not. Is there anybody thankful for the faithfulness of God? And if he is faithful in reciprocity, he is looking for a people that will be faithful people. A people that are unmoved by the culture and the circumstances and the situations and the chaos of life. He is looking for the kind of people who will say, as for me in my house. He is looking for the kind of men and the kind of women who put their roots down and are not moved by every wind of doctrine, but they know that they have found the solid rock uh, somewhere they can put their feet down and they will not be persuaded otherwise. They will remain faithful to God as he has been faithful to them.
God has standards. Standards like faithfulness. Can I go deeper? Standards like holiness. How many know God is a holy God? He is the set-apart God. He is the holy God. There is nobody like him. Oh, I feel like bragging on him for just a moment. The last time I checked, uh, the angels in heaven don't sing any other song other than the song of holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They've been singing it since eternity started, and they'll sing it all throughout the rest of eternity because this God is not a God like other gods uh, with a name like other names. Uh, This God has the name above every name and he is holy oh I wish I had about a hundred people who could understand that God is holy there is not a God like him there'll never be another God like him he is in a class all by himself the God you sang to and worshiped about he is holy Uh, and if he is holy and reciprocity He is looking for a people who are holy. A set-apart people who understand that their life is not their own. That they are called to mimic the God they serve. Which is why the command to be holy, it can't be flipping. It has to become a reality. And the reason why some of us miss holiness is because we attach holiness to what we do and not who we are. Religion will tell you that holiness is just what you do. It's what you wear. It's where you go. But baby, long before holiness gets into the what you do, it starts with who you are. God will fix that side. Because how many know if you become it, you'll be it? I said, if you become holy, you'll do holy things. If you become holy, you won't have to question where where should I go? What should I watch? Or where should I listen to? No, no, no. If I am holy, holiness is the only thing I can do. And God has standards. He is looking for a faithful people. He's looking for a holy people. Can can I go deeper in this holiness thing for just a moment? He is looking for the kind of people who are peculiar. A kind of people who are unique and different. The kind of people who the minute they come into the room, the atmosphere shifts. And I know it's old school preaching, but I can remember a day when believers got in rooms, people talked different. And walked different and acted different, not because we were better than them, but because we carried such a glory and such an anointing and such a fire that they couldn't stay the same by being around us. Where are the people who are peculiar? And God has standards, standards like faithfulness and holiness. But I didn't come for those today. I came for a standard that you don't hear spoken about much in the pulpit today but I'm going to preach it to you. The standard, watch this, of fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Because what if I told you God is still looking to take a withdrawal on the deposit called you? What if I told you God still is looking for the kind of people that he can do something in? And by the time he gets done with that person, there is something on their life that's so unique and so powerful that the people around them can taste and see. 
that he is good. You do know that's the kind of life you're called to live. You're called to live the taste and see life. You're called to be so immersed in God that when God does anything in your life or through your life or with your life, the people around you ought to reach up and be able to grab something and say, I believe that God is who he says he is by the fruitfulness of your life. You are called to be fruitful. You're called to be fruitful in every season and in every situation because this God doesn't do fruit just in one season and not the next. Uh, A supernatural God can do fruit in every season, good and bad. I feel like preaching. Good and bad, right and wrong, sickness and in health, uh, anxiety or peace that passes all understanding. Why? Because he is the God who works all things uh, together for your good. God has made you in such a way that it doesn't matter the season, he can still get some fruit. And if fruitfulness matters to God and it matters to the kingdom and it should matter to us, then why are we seeing so little fruit? I think I figured it out. I think the reason we don't see fruitfulness is because in the Western church, We are enamored with giftedness. We love the gift at the expense of the fruit. We love the gift because we get the gift quick. See how quiet it is? We we, we love the gift because we can come to one altar call and get a gift. We can hear one evangelist and come away with the gift. But what have I told you? God gives gifts, but he grows fruit. I said, God will give you a gift, but it takes him some time to grow some fruit. Why? Because God wants to produce some stuff out of your life that ain't just for your life. God wants to produce some stuff in you that goes well beyond your lifespan. He wants to produce, I feel like preaching, y'all. He wants to produce some stuff in you that goes to your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. So in this room, I say, God, raise up a people that you produce some stuff in that lives long after we're dead and gone. Yeah, we don't like fruit that much in the Western church because we have a microwaved drive through mentality that says, give it to me my way, when I want it, how I want it. And what if I told you the great things in God don't come that way? preach, Pastor Josh. I said, that, that, that doesn't come that way. The great stuff in God is often slow roasted. It's marinated. It takes a little time. It takes a few moments. It'll take a season. Some of you don't even understand. It'll take a decade for God to get out of you what he put in in you. And you have to make up your mind that if fruitfulness is the goal, I will stay planted and rooted so that I can see what God said. You know what I learned about people who love fruit? Is they don't mind process. People who love fruit don't mind process. They don't mind being submitted. They they, they don't mind if somebody says, not right now. They don't mind when church leadership says, this ain't that moment. But rather they trust that if it is not developed yet, that I shouldn't want to give it out anyway. Because I believe that some of the reason, can I preach it like I feel it? That the world doesn't love our God and they don't like church and they don't like Christians. It's because we tried to give them fruit that was not mature. 
we have tried to give them something to eat that doesn't accurately reflect God. And they are tasting immaturity and saying, if that is what the church is, and if that is what God is, I don't want it. Because some of us in this room think that the goal of Christianity is perfection. No, baby, it's not perfection. It's maturity. The world is not looking for perfect as much as they are looking for proof. And proof takes process. If you want God to grow some stuff in your life, you're going to have to be cool with the process he takes. Pastor Josh, why did you take that long in your introduction to talk about fruitfulness and holiness and faithfulness? Because John 15 is the construct and the context and the theme of fruitfulness inside the idea of union. Jesus is speaking inside the Magna Carta of union with Christ. And he says that the consequence of connectivity with God in this kind of way is that you will be fruitful. Well, Lord, what imagery could you give me? Can I go deeper this morning? What imagery can you bring to me so that I understand fruitful life and the union life? And he begins to talk to us from the stage of agriculture and the imagery of agriculture. Because God is an agriculturalist. Yes, he is. All you got to do is read your Bible a little bit and you'll figure out God's really into agriculture. He likes things like gardens. He likes things like seed, time, and harvest. God is an agriculturalist. And before you can understand fruitfulness, you have to understand the basis of agriculture. Why does God choose the imagery of agriculture? Why? Because the term agriculture, agra meaning the ground, culture means to force upon. In other words, God says that I can take a good seed and it doesn't matter the type of ground, good or bad. God's seed is so good that he can plant it in bad ground and still get a good investment and a good return. What am I trying to tell you? I'm trying to tell you that where you are is not a mistake. I'm trying to tell you that where he planted you is not an accident. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to tell you that no matter what family you were born into, where you were born, the issues you had to face growing up or not, God said it was all on purpose. Why? Because you shouldn't take the ground as the the identity of the seed. Some of you have given up on the seed and the fruit because you have put all your identity as the seed in the identity of the ground. That said, because the ground's that way, I'm that way. But I came to break a curse. And I came to destroy a lie over your life and tell you, you are not what you did. You're not where you came from. You're not the issues of your family. You're not the generational curses of your grandparents. Baby, you are good seed, able to produce good fruit. And where you are is not an accident. God put you there. Why? So that you could change it all by the time your life was over. What's your calling? Your calling is to be conformed to the image of Christ and change your environment. You may not change the world, but you can change your field. I said, you might not change the world, but God has called you to change your family. He's called you to change your workplace. He's called you to grow some stuff that shifts. Am I preaching to anybody? I came to tell every devil, give up. We just figured out who we are. 
Stop the lies. Stop the whispering. I am not what my granddaddy did. I'm not what my mama said. I am good seed in the ground, able to produce and bear good and much fruit. And now that we've gotten that out the way, listen to the words of Jesus as he begins to lay out the groundwork for fruitful living, the life in union, in the context and imagery of agriculture. He says, I am the true vine. Let me stop right there. Because that is a definitive statement about who he is. He is saying by saying I am the true vine, he is saying that every other carnal and worldly vine is insufficient compared to me. He said, I dare you to put me up against alcohol, put me up against drugs, put me up against lust, put me up against all that other stuff that claims it'll give you joy and peace, that will bring you satisfaction, and you're going to find out that compared to me, can't nobody do you like Jesus. Can't nobody do you like Jesus. He is the sufficient vine. See, there are some people in this room that can testify that only Jesus can satisfy your soul. There are some people who were in the world doing some stuff they knew not to do. But once they met Jesus, Jesus became the lover of their soul. Is there anybody on your row that can testify for just a moment that only Jesus can satisfy? And if you're trying to figure it out, I came to tell every person trying to figure it out, try Jesus and you'll see what's up. Give your life to Jesus and you'll figure out what true joy and true peace and true satisfaction without regret feels like. I am the true vine. Every carnal vine is insufficient. Watch this. And every other religious vine is an imposter. He is still trying to tell them that it's not that this vine ain't Muhammad. This vine ain't Confucius. This vine ain't Buddha. This vine ain't Buddhism. Somebody. But this vine is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no man comes to the Father but by me. I came to tell you that the Jesus you serve is the Jesus that is the truth. All of that in the statement I am the true vine. He said, only through me will you find what you've been desperately seeking. He said, there you'll find love and peace and joy and hope. Outside of me, it's not guaranteed. But in me is everything your heart longs for. And on the heels of saying, can I go deeper? On the heels of saying, I am the true vine, listen to his words. He says, I am the true vine and my father, my daddy is the vine dresser. Watch this. Jesus is saying, if you like what you see, it's only because of who my daddy is. 
See, see, God is waiting for some outspoken, rowdy Christians uh, to put on display all that God has done. That if the world is looking for who the Father really is, that he is looking for some of his children to say, the only reason I am the way I am is because of who my daddy is. I couldn't have gotten there by myself. I couldn't have done it on my own. But because of the Father, I am who I am by grace and mercy. I am who I am because of him. I am who I am because of him. Because if you would have seen me before he got to me, I wasn't much to look at. I was a drunkard. I was addicted. I was in a mess. Come on, can I go deeper? I was depressed. I was anxious. But the minute that the vine dresser got a hold of my life, he began to transform me. And I came to tell every devil that accuses me, oh, I say, look at me now. A testimony of grace and mercy and the goodness of God. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. In other words, what God is saying is everything I gave to Jesus, I'll give to every one of my kids. And the reason why some of us can't receive that is because in the Western church, we have divorced the father and the son. We love our Jesus. Come on, somebody. I said, we love our Jesus. We see him with the crown of thorns and his back wide open. We see him carrying the cross and we say things like, oh, what a love. And it's certainly true. But oftentimes we will take that love of Jesus and turn around and say the opposite of the father. We will say that the father is angry. We will say that the father is distant. We will say that the father is austere. We will say that the father is ready to strike us down. But Jesus didn't say that. Jesus said, I and my father are one. Jesus said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. God, get us back to being the kind of church that understands that everything Jesus was, the Father is all the time, 24-7. What if the only thing not breaking you through is a poor perspective of God, the Father, the vine dresser? Oh, it got quiet. I said, what if the only thing not breaking you through is your poor perspective of the Father who claims to be your vine dresser? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Do you know the implication of a statement like my Father is the vine dresser? (laughs) To say he is the vine dresser is to tell every one of his children that he is first going to give them protective care. That may not mean... A lot to some people, but this preacher is thankful for the protection and the care of my father. This preacher understands that I wouldn't be here today if he hadn't protected me all along the way. Ah, this preacher uh, knows that there were some things that the enemy had set up for me, ways to kill, steal, and destroy my life. Uh, And I'm thankful that before it could get to me, God got to it, uh, and he protected protected me. Is there anybody in the room that could take about 10 seconds and thank God for his protection in your life? I'm talking about the relationship that could have ended you, the drug deal that could have finished you off. I'm talking to somebody about the car accident that should have taken you out. Is anybody thankful for the protective care of God and how he still protects his children? And I know you just praise God for what you have seen him protect you from. But what have I told you? There were some things you didn't see. 
I'm going to preach back here. I said, I said, what, what if I told you there was some stuff that you didn't see that was coming on a hunt for you and your soul? And before it got to you, God ran in at the nick of time and yanked that devil and he protected you. So I know you can thank God for what you saw, but is there anybody that can praise God for the protection that you didn't see yet experience? Somebody give him praise if you're thankful for protection. He is the vine dresser, and he promises that if you are in me, I will protect and care for you. Second thing that him being the vine dresser, vine dresser implies, y'all still good? It implies his faithfulness again. God will be faithful to what he assumes care for. Oh, did you hear what I said? I said God will assume care and be faithful to that which he cares for. Hear me by the Holy Ghost. Let me give you a verse. He who has begun a good work is faithful to bring that thing to completion. In other words, if God ever promised you anything, if God said it, that settles it, despite what anybody else might say about it. I came to tell somebody, it's time for you to praise God on another level. I know you haven't seen some things. I know there's some things God promised you've yet to know, but in the name of Jesus, I came to declare that even though you haven't seen it, it's on the way. It's on the way. I said, it's on the way. It's on the way. It's on the way, mama. It's on the way, daddy. Oh, it's on the way. God told me to tell you, here it comes. Here it comes. I said it, and that settles it. I feel somebody's faith rising in this room. Somebody believes. Somebody in this room believes. Somebody believes God is about to do what he said. See, I can talk about it now. I can talk about it now because for years I had to stand in services like this and preach faith to you and still make sure that I had some faith of my own because I wanted to be a daddy more than I could even want the air I breathe. We wanted a child and every doctor said it wasn't going to happen and every person said, don't worry about it. it ain't gonna, maybe it's not for you, but God had said some things. He had promised me some things in the dark. So I made up my mind that in the waiting period of not seeing it, I'm going to worship like it's already mine. I'm going to worship like God promised it. I wonder if there's anybody who says, Pastor Josh, I ain't seen it, but here's a praise to say, I still believe it's on the way. And by the way, I got a four-year-old little girl now. So take that devil. I said, take that devil. God is faithful to what's attached to him. And God, as my vine dresser, can I go deeper? God is the God who will protect and care. He is the God who will be faithful. But to say he is the vine dresser carries the implication that he is also watchful. It gives us room to see the watchfulness of God. That God just doesn't, watch this, he just doesn't watch over us. We will shout over him watching over us. But most of us don't understand, not only does he watch over, he also looks at. And you may not like us getting in your business. But what if I told you that God you serve loves you enough to get
get in your business every once in a while. He, he loves you enough to not let you be still or stagnant or fruitless. Uh, God loves you enough uh, to get inside your world a little bit and check some things and say, I don't like that attitude. I don't like the way you're talking right there. That's not going to produce. Uh, see, you can fool us, uh, but you can't fool God. Did you hear what the preacher just said? I said, you can fool us uh, on Sundays, but let me tell you what's happening Monday through Saturday. God is still looking and observing and watching every aspect of your life uh, because God is going to get some glory from your life, whether you want it or not. He is watching, which makes verse 2 make sense. Hurry, Josh, we're only in verse 2. Which is why he says in verse 2, because I'm the watchful vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, because I'm watching. Every branch that doesn't bear fruit, I, I take it away. And once again, we get the picture of the angry God. The God who has scissors and shears who is coming to judge and hurt. And that's the way you will see this text unless you know your Greek. Because the verbiage to take away here in the Greek is the Greek word eros. And it doesn't mean to cut away. It literally means to lift up. In other words, when God is watching and he sees you on the decline and he sees life taking you in the ground, taking some stuff out of you, rather than throw you away, God would rather lift you up. Oh, did you hear what I said? I said, God would rather lift you up than throw you away. It reminds me of the verse, now to him who is able to keep you from falling. God would rather lift you up until you produce again. And if you want to know how you're still here, how you're still making it, how your life is where it is, let me tell you how you got here. You got here not in your own strength, but only because the grace of God was lifting you up. You want to know how you made it through your last struggle? How you made it through the divorce? How you made it through the issues of your life? You want to know how you made it through the pandemic? The only reason you made it, the only reason we made it is because he lifted us up. He is the God who would rather lift you than cut you. And the only time he will stop lifting is when you show him you have no interest in his care. And so God says every branch that does not bear fruit, I take it away. I lift it before I remove it. He said, and every branch that does bear fruit, watch this, I prune or I purge. Now, I'm not going to lie. Can I just, can I be real? Can the preacher be real? I really didn't want to read that because I thought if you were doing good, you know, bearing fruit, that he would have said something like, and every branch that bears fruit, I bless. Oh, don't be religious. Every branch that bears fruit, I, I give promotions and raises and bonuses to. I was waiting to see that, but he said every branch that does not bear fruit, or he said that bears fruit, I still cut. What am I trying to tell you? Cutting comes to everybody. 
And some of you are in a season of decrease and cutback, and you are blaming the devil. But what if I told you every season of decrease is actually an invitation on the next dimension of God to produce more fruit? What if the only reason God is cutting you back is because you're not maximizing your yield? That I had to take some things away in order for you to understand what you could really do. Oh, come on, somebody. I said, God will sometimes take some stuff away so you can finally realize who you really are and what you can really do and the capabilities you really have. So I'll remove some relationships and some people and some stuff that you thought you had to have to survive only to show you that you didn't need them. All you needed was what you knew about God and yourself to get there. Am I helping anybody? He says... He says, if you bear fruit, he said, you're still going to get pruned. But once again, that would lead to you seeing scissors and shears, unless you know you're Greek again. Because to take away is the word eros. In the Greek, though, watch this, to prune or purge, it is the Greek word katharos. Watch this, it means to clean. For every branch that's bearing fruit, I give it the, be- the blessing of being clean. And staying clean. Because when you get this deep in God and you start bearing fruit, the attack of the enemy changes. Oh, am I talking to real people in the room? When you start serving God, see out there, the attack was destroy you, kill you, get rid of you. But when you got to God, the enemy knew he couldn't sever that kind of connection. So instead of trying to sever the connection, he wants to clog it. The attack here is one of interruption where he tries to distort the flow between vine and branch. The enemy will work hard to clog it up with things like unforgiveness. Oh, it got quiet. Things like bitterness and anger. And some of you ain't seeing breakthrough in God because of what somebody did to you over a decade ago. And you have let the avenue become clogged. And therefore, you are wondering why you're not getting what you used to get. Even still being connected to God. And God says, when you get this deep, I will give you the blessing. The katharos blessing. Katharos is where we get our word catheter from. In other words, God says, when you get this kind of connection and you're bearing fruit, I will put a system in place that flushes the impurities long before they have a chance to make you toxic. In other words, God said, I will give you the ability to forgive long before the offense comes. Oh, are you hearing me in this room? I will put something so profound on the inside of you that by the time they say it, you're already over it. That you can't even get disappointed by people because even if they do something wrong, you realize that God is the God who works all things together for your good. And you won't get mad at people, but you'll thank God for the people who did some stuff to you and say, God, I ain't going to spend my energy there, but I will praise you for what's about to hit my life. God says the blessing, the blessing of bearing fruit is I'll keep you clean. 
I know your desire for fruitfulness by your desire to remain clean. And he says, now that you understand what I'm really doing, now the third verse makes sense because he says, you are already clean. When I first read that, I thought, what is Jesus talking about, clean? And then I realized the Catharos blessing. And I realized that God says, I, you are already clean. Well, how am I staying clean, God? He said, you are clean because of the word I spoke to you. Never discount the power of hearing and applying and retaining the word of God in your life. Because the Bible says that you can be made clean by the washing of the word. What am I trying to tell you? That God would rather give you a sermon than a circumstance. I sit with people all the time, and I'm almost done. I sit with people all the time, and I sit with them, and they want me to counsel them, and they want me to tell them, and they'll start talking, and I'll literally sit back and think to myself, you didn't listen to the sermon on Sunday. Because if you would have listened to the word, the word was literally answering every issue of your life. Because that's the problem in the American church. We hear word, but we don't receive word and retain word and apply word. We sit under more sermons than anybody else in the world. But yet we are impotent in our faith and in our power. Why? Because there comes a moment where you take the word as precedence and, I'm preaching y'all, precedence and priority over your life. I love worship, but worship pales in comparison to the power of the word. Word of God. When Jesus went to fight the enemy, he didn't use a lyric. When the enemy tempted him, he didn't reach in his bags of lyrics and melodies and harmonies. No, but he did take his sword out. The word of God. And every time he used the word, the devil didn't have an answer. And I came to tell somebody, the more you get this word in you, the cleaner you'll be and the more anointing you'll flow under. As they come to the keys, let me finish this thing up. You get anything out of this today? I preached all that context, theme, imagery, revelation. To bring you into what sustains it all. Because the fruitful life is not a life lived by mistake. It's intentional. And it is only lived from one place in relationship with God. And that is union with Christ. Because after Jesus lays out this wonderful dissertation about fruitful living. He then says, if you want to know how to achieve it on demand for the rest of your life. Throw up verse 4. He says, abide in me. Everything I told you is only possible if you learn how to abide in me. Really what he's opening here is the doctrine of union with Christ. The doctrine of union with Christ is an essential doctrine to the church you do realize that the early church fathers, the patristic fathers, the disciples would have never talked about salvation. Hear me. Would have never talked about their salvation outside of the concept of union with Christ. It was a present doctrine in the early church. It is an absent doctrine in the Western church. Well, Pastor Josh, what is union with Christ? Union with Christ is what the apostle Paul would say in him. And most of us have been around God 
and near God, and we've had God around us and near us, but very few of us have graduated to a place in faith called the in him dimension. You realize that when the Apostle Paul is trying to talk to you about your life and how to live, when he wants to give you the, the, the jewels of revelation, it's always in the context of in him. That's why he says things like, in him we live and move and have our being. Christ in me, the hope of glory. I am crucified with Christ. It's not I, but Christ that lives in me. What if I told you the Christian life that you are desiring is found in the in him dimension. The fruitful life you want to have is found in the in him dimension. Why are we not a people enamored with union with Christ? It's because first and foremost, it's mystical. And the moment I said that, half of y'all turned me off. Because mystical is a dirty word in the church. Because we don't know what it means. Because we equate mystical with magical. Can I do this? But mist, what, it makes, what makes anything mystical is that it cannot be experienced with the five senses. Let me tell you what else can it be, be experienced with the five senses. Faith. In other words, to have the relationship that I'm talking about, you in him and him in you, union with Christ, fruitful living, is that you have to step into a place of faith. And when you have faith, watch this, you also have to carry imagination. Uh-oh, second dirty word. I said mystical. And then, of course, if you say imagination, all the people, in the, all the people, imagine, brother, that sounds like you're into some new age stuff. No, no, no. If, it, if imagination is bad, why did the Bible tell us to cast out every evil one? If there is a such thing as an evil imagination, then there must be an imagination that belongs to God and aligns with his heart through faith. We don't have this kind of walk with God and this kind of fruitful life. It's because we have lost our imagination. I could bring my four-year-old little girl in here and I would look at her and say, Justin, what do you want to play? She'd say, Daddy, let's play Peter Pan. And she'd say, Arr, Daddy. And she would turn this sanctuary into Neverland. Why? Because she's got an imagination. What is it about us that the older we get, the more mature we become, the deeper we get in God, that we lose our faith, imagination to see and believe for the impossible. Maybe that's why Jesus said, except you become like little children. Watch this. You will never see, enter the kingdom of heaven. This relationship I'm speaking of is accessible and attainable, but it's going to require faith and imagination to say that I am in him and he is indeed in me. For he says, I am the vine, I'm done, and you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If I've preached anything, don't miss what I'm about to say. This is it. I grew up in a church. They should have called my church no.
because everything we wanted to do, the answer was no. Can we go there? No. Can we do it? No, no, no. And they taught me that the only way I could ever have a life in God and a life of holiness and a real relationship was judged upon how well I knew how to perform. And so I spent more time performing in front of God than I did spending time with God. I spent more time performing for people than I did conforming to His image. And I realized over time, as I have stepped into this fruitful life, this union life, I have stepped into a revelation that has changed me forever. Here's the revelation, that you will get more from attachment than you ever will effort. If I don't say anything else, let that be the bombshell revelation of the day, that you will get more from attachment than you ever will effort. Why? Because you are not called to produce fruit. God has called you as the branch to bear fruit. I want to take the pressure off of somebody who has felt this urge to constantly perform and produce and do it all in your strength and make it all happen where you are. And I came to tell you that is not the Christian life. Making it happen is not your job. Oh, hallelujah. Making it happen for you is God's job. And all you have to do is be in him and have him in you. And if you abide in him, he will abide in you. And watch this. He is the vine and you will be the branch and without him you will be able to do nothing but with him all things are possible stand to your feet everybody the world is getting crazy the world it's getting chaotic. All you got to do is read the news, look at your look at your latest social media feed, or go crazy. You know what I found? That before God fixes it out there, He is going to fix it in here. And if you will learn the value of fruitful living, it will take you into a place of union with Christ. And if you ever get union with Christ, you will have communion with God. And if we ever get true communion with God, there will be unity among men. God is trying to let you know that no matter what is happening out there, how crazy it seems, let's be honest about some things. I have never in my life seen an attack on children like we are seeing at this very hour. I have never, the enemy has spent decades, decades making sure that we were in such a vulnerable place as a body, as a church, that we would become so domesticated that he could do whatever he wanted. He spent years taking men out of homes. Y'all way too quiet. Sin another kind of epidemic of fatherlessness through the land. 
Things like the crack epidemic and the opioid epidemic ran through and pulled fathers out. Why? So that children wouldn't know fathers. The enemy assassinated men and women for decades, getting godly men and godly women with calls in their life to succumb to compromise and pressures. It's all for the sake of what he's doing right now against our children. But I came to declare in the name of Jesus that there are a people rising with being in Christ and Christ in them with Holy Ghost power, fire, and fruitfulness who will not let a generation die or be deceased or devoid of the call of God upon their life. And it all comes back to this simple question today. God said to ask you, what is the state of your union with Him? With every head bowed and every eye closed. The Lord told me that there would be people in this room who once knew him in an intimate and powerful way. He told me that there would be men in this room and women in this room who once knew the glory and the power and the fire of God, but because of life and circumstance, things have fallen to the wayside. Your passion is gone. Your vigor is gone for the things of God. But God is inviting you into a life, a union life, a fruitful life by which you get it all back and some. So if you're in this room today and you would say, Pastor Josh, I'm not where I need to be with God. In fact, the truth is I'm far from God and I need to get it right today. Truth is, Pastor Josh, I have forgotten about what Jesus did and who Jesus is. I forgot about his sacrifice and how much he loves me and what he really wants from my life and his care and his protection and his faith. I get it now, Pastor, but I, I need an opportunity to come back. I need an opportunity to make it right. If you're in this room today and you're far from God and you know you've got to get it right, let me tell you, my friend, tomorrow is not promised. You only have today to maximize the opportunity. If you're in this room and you're far from God on the count of three, I want you to slip up your hand. There's no shame, only hope in this room. God's going to restore what the enemy tried to steal. If you're in this room and you're far from God and you want to get it right today with God, get your heart right, your mind right, your life right with Jesus on the count of three. I want you just to slip up your hand. One, two, three. Come on, if that's you. Hands are going up all across this room. Hands are going up. I got to get it right, Pastor Josh. I got to get it right. I don't want to go another day confused. I don't want to go another day not fruitful. I don't want to go another moment feeling this kind of depression, anxiety. Get me back connected to the vine. Let me back inside relationship with the vine dresser. Come on, keep that hand up if I'm talking to you. Just another second. I'll lend you a couple more seconds. I want everybody now with one hand lifted, everybody in the room, one hand lifted and one hand on your heart. We're about to pray a prayer. There are so many hands raised for salvation, rededication. We're going to join them. Are you ready to join them? Can we pray together? Can we say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. Father, make me a part of the vine and make me a good branch. Father, I'm sorry for my sin and I ask you now to forgive me clean me, wash me, and transform me. Thank you, Jesus, for being my vine and saving my soul. In Jesus' name. I said, in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody who believes, say, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, I want you to put your hands together and give God the greatest shout of praise. Come on, worship team.
Give God the shout of praise in this room. So here's how we're going to close service today. The fruitful life is a submitted and yielded life. The union life is a life given over to Christ. So we're going to sing, and I'm going to give you one part of this song to yield your life to him in a way that you never have before. And listen, I'm going to be back here at 6 p.m. tonight, and we're going to pray for people. We're going to lay hands on people. Make sure you're back here at 6. But why don't we just take a second right here, right now, for all my people ready for the fruitful life, uh, the life in union with Christ. Uh, slip up your hands as we sing in this room. Come on, let's worship. Uh, worship. come and overtake us. You're the one with Every person with your hands lifted, we yield. Lead us, Holy Ghost. The heart of Jesus, there is nothing we want. Holy Spirit, we say, Holy Spirit, break us, come and overtake us. You're the one with Let that be your heart's cry from a place of union. about to step into the most fruitful era of your life I declare in the name of Jesus as you step into deep union with Christ that you will see fruit that you didn't even know you could bear I declare it'll reach into your children's lives your family your workplace and I declare a season of fruitfulness over this church by which the harvest comes to taste and see that he is good. And church, if you receive this word and apply it to your life, I dare you to take the final 10 seconds and lift up your voice and shout unto God with a voice of triumph, knowing that he is making us fruitful. Hallelujah. Shout, church. Shout. Shout.